Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio. Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. And welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor, and I am joined as always by a man currently celebrating his birthday week, the end of his birthday week. It's my good friend Kelly. Kelly, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Uh, I know this is going to be a good episode because I look down at the corner of my computer screen. It is currently 2.19 p.m. On February 19th. It's good luck. It's good luck. It's going to be a great show, everybody. It's a sign. So we should get right into it if it's going to be a good show. But before we do, we got to get through the plugs. Follow us on Twitter at Audio, Or you can follow Kelly at Comic Geek Kelly. Or me, Taylor, at TayMambo on Twitter. Subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. And if that app of choice happens to be... Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating and review. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. So what are we Send doing today? Send birthday presents to both me and Taylor. That's right. Uh, it's not my birthday anytime soon. But you know uh, what? It's going to be your birthday eventually. Eventually, it will be my birthday, so if you want to send a really early, early present, you can do that there. So what are we talking about on this show? We're going to be covering the most recent Tokyo Joshi Korokin Hall show featuring the Max Hart Tournament Finals. We'll be covering some other Tokyo Joshi as well as talking some stardom, some IWGP women's action as well as previewing a big upcoming stardom in showcase show. Uh, so let's get right into it. Tokyo Joshi having their most recent Corican Hall show on February the 11th in front of 657 fans. Kelly, what did you think about this show overall? I thought this show was great. 
uh, really just fun kind of breezy show and fairly newsworthy too. Yeah, a lot of announcements before the show, which we will get into in a few minutes. Uh, but I thought it was very good. It was funny because we I got to the semi-main and I was sort of like, well, this is a sort of fine show. Um, not really all that much uh, to talk about. And then I thought both the semi-main and main event were really great and uh, really brought the show all together and made it a great show for me. Yeah, definitely. So we said before the show, some big announcements. There were a lot of announcements on this show. Uh, the first announcement was that three new rookies will be making their debuts coming up. It will be Toga on March 6th, 6th making her debut and Haru and Momo making their debuts in singles matches at Grand Princess on March 18th. So a lot of pressure on them. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. I Honestly, I would not do that, but good luck to them. I don't know if it's a compliment that Toga, and I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. I, I, I think you are. Toga? Well, wait a minute. Toga. Oh, toga. It's got to be Toga. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's a compliment to her that she's not debuting on the big show because she's debuting before. So to me, it would be like, oh, you're more ready than the other two. But the other two are debuting on a big show. Yeah. Or they're like, we don't want you to stink up our big show. <laughs> We're going to debut you before. Right. I don't know what it's going to be. And is it going to be one of those things where she's going to debut on the six and then not be on the big show? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. There are there have been quite a number of matches announced for that Grand Princess show, which we will do a big preview of next episode. But what else was announced before the show? It was announced that Andreza Giant Panda will be appearing at Grand Princess as Hell yeah. well. Uh, Andreza appearing before the show uh, during the opening announcements. Also announced Juria Nagano has fractured her finger. Now, I, re I sort of got two conflicting sets of information on commentary. I believe it was Drew Parker seemed to indicate that she would be out for two to three months. But I also read something else saying that she did not say when she will be back, but she will be back. Um, but we wish her a speedy recovery from a fractured finger, which sounds uh, very painful to me. Yeah, and it had to be nasty because she got surgery on it. So, like, that's more than just like, oh, I broke my finger. That's it's fucked. So hopefully she comes back as soon as she's healthy and feeling better. I got to I got to admit, though. Didn't recognize her at first with her new haircuts. Well, the new haircut and also not wearing her gear. Yeah. Either. Um, I was like, who? who is this? Why do we care? <laughs> and then it's like, oh, oh, okay. I had one of those things where I was like, oh, it's her. And then I was like, wait a minute. It is her, right? And then on commentary, they were like, oh, it's Juria. And I was like, okay. Because <laughs> uh, did have a new haircut uh, and not wearing the gear. Yeah. Uh, the 
last of the big announcements happened in the middle of the show. It was announced one more big match for Grand Princess Neo Bishikigun will be making their return oh, from God. France, flying back for the big show. So happy. Saki Sama and Mei Saint Michel will be taking on the legendary duo <laughs> of Yuki Kamafuku and the returning Tokyo Joshi Pro superstar Billy Starks. What a strange team. <laughs> like, we're. I mean, I guess the sort of draw of it is, oh, it's Neobishiki Goon is back. Yeah. But like, it is a strange team of like two people that they're just sort of like, oh, this will be good. <laughs> two um, people who don't seem like they would ever be friends. <laughs> Billy Starks will also be appearing on the um, LA show as well. It was announced. So Billy Starks making three Tokyo Joshi appearances in the span of what, two months, three months? Something like that. Uh, good for pretty her. Pretty good. I have more uh, thoughts about that at a later point in this review, um, which we will get to in a few minutes. But those, the big announcements uh, before and during the show, didn't want to miss any of those because some of them, almost all of them, there also was the announcement that they'll be doing some homecoming shows for some of the wrestlers coming up, but that was sort of the um, smallest announcement of all these announcements that happened. But yeah, also, these, are, these are the big headlines. Yeah. What happened on the show? There was some wrestling on the show. That's right. What? Uh, the opening match, the first match, Wakana Uihara defeated Himawari to obtain her first victory in a Tokyo Joshi ring, defeating her in six minutes and 26 seconds. Kelly, what were your thoughts on Uihara's first ever victory? Uh, she, I'm turning around on her. I thought, I thought this match, they both women had a really good showing, but I thought Uihara has improved a ton already since we first saw her. So I'm, I'm becoming a fan. Uh, this, Match really kind of showed that she's got a, a little crowd following going, which is cool. And she built some momentum here. And she even got new, improved gear, which I was very happy to see instead of her old Maki Ito gear. <laughs> you mentioned the Maki Ito gear, um, I believe, two episodes ago. And I believe the next, the very next day, she debuted new gear. Yeah, she was like, can't have this. No, she heard you. Yeah. Thank you for listening, uh, Uehara. You're doing great. Uh, I like this match. I thought it was, you know, for the most part, fairly standard. I really love the finish. Um, sort of like a strange finish for a Tokyo Joshi rookie in terms of Uehara, like taking Himawari, having her in the choke, and then like yanking back on it which feels very much to me like, ah, like I'm a shooter. And it was I very in... vicious. <laughs> yeah, it was very, it was very vicious. And then she won. She got the tap out and then started crying because she was happy that it was her first win. Um, so it was just sort of like, wow, what a vicious moment amongst no other vicious moments. <laughs> like very nice. Like, I'm very happy I won my first match. 
I'm tearing up in the ring after I just like yanked back on this choke and got a, you know, submission victory. Um, but she's just I, crying in joy that she didn't have to kill that girl. <laughs> I like finishes like that because this isn't really something that bothers me, but it's something I think about a lot, which is like finishers, not finishers, submission finishers are very weird to me in that most of them are like the person gets in the submission and you know they're going to reach the rope or they get in the finisher and you just sort of sit there and then the person taps out. Mm-hmm. Like I like the idea of like I have this person but I have to do just a little bit more to like I have the choke but now I'm going to really yank back on it and that's going to be sort of the moment of like it's over. I don't know. I just sort of like the indicator. Yeah, it's, it's of... like when um Kurt Angle would do the ankle lock, but then you knew he was serious, and it was the end when he'd get grape find the leg. Yes, yeah, I like that little um sort of just added moment of like, okay, I have you, and now I've now I really want to put you away. So now it's like, and it's over. Yeah. So, but other than that, I thought fairly standard opening match. I thought they both looked pretty good, and that was it. It's like that um uh, the talk show host that died today that uh, Hulk Hogan choked out. Richard Belzer. Yeah, I don't. He was a talk show host, wasn't he? I, I don't thought know. He was an actor. Was he? Okay. Was he just a guest on that talk show? I don't know. I don't remember. Well, either uh, way, Rip. Uh. Yeah, that's uh, what that's what Uehara wanted to avoid doing. I have to admit, I am not a, a Hulk Hogan historian. I'm not a Triple H, as you would say. Ah, um, yes. <laughs> um, anyway, the next match was a six-person tag team match. The team of Mihiro Kiryu, Yuki Kamafuku, and now Kakuta defeating the trio of Haruna Neko, Kaya Torabami, and Raku in 11 minutes and 32 seconds. I thought this was a perfectly decent match. I fully was expecting Kaya Torabami to win to show off her new finisher. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was the point of this, which turned out to not be true. And... I thought Yuki jumped really high on the finishing Famouser. She got very high up in the air. Yeah, that one that one looked really good. Um, but I was just sort of like, huh, at the end, oh, I thought they'd have Toribami look good and show off the new finisher in Corkin Hall. But it was just a sort of standard, fine, get everyone, get everyone on the card match which we yeah it was a very by the numbers trios match it was it was fine it it happened the next match a big singles match arisa endo getting her first singles victory defeating mocha miyamoto in nine minutes and 27 seconds kelly before we talk about the match itself um did we realize that the inside of the pattern on the inside of Mocha skirt doesn't match the top? 
it's like I, two totally it? different patterns. I've never I've never noticed that. I'm sure people are like driven nuts by the fact that every Mocha match we spend <laughs> analyzing the the gear. But I had never noticed. And then at one point she was in a submission or something and it like flipped. And I was like, wait a minute. It's a totally different pattern than the pattern on her top of the gear. There's new facets to it every time. And I was like, what? That's even weirder to me. It's reversible. She can just decide I'm going to flip it inside out. Boom, new gear. But it's like clashing. (laughs) It's like clashing yellow and orange patterns. Um, I'm telling you, she just fell into a pile of fabric and then it someone sewed it onto her and that's just how she has to live her life now. I think it's closer. I just think oh, if the skirt was slightly better, I think it would be good gear. Because I think th- I'm now convinced that the top is good. Really? The top, I, like I think it. the top half of it is good. <laughs> and it's being covered up by the fact the bottom half of it is a blanket. <laughs> Um, uh, Uehara, get Mocha listening to the show, please. Um. Anyway, there they had a match. Kelly, what'd you think of this match? I thought it was a good match. Uh, super hard fought. Definitely felt like Endo really earned her first singles victory here. Just really fast paced, hard hitting match. I was super happy with it. The only like, it's not even a gripe. It's just. This was this match happened immediately after the uh, Juria announcement, so it kind of felt like Mocha was almost being demoted. <laughs> where it's like, oh, her tag partner's gone. Up oh, now, she lost a match. <laughs> I was like, I I would have probably spread those two things out, but at, at the same time, they probably didn't even think of it. But like outside of that, I really really enjoyed this match. I went three and a half stars on it. Everything is not coming up, Mocha. Definitely not today. <laughs> I realized that this is the match to me that was a match between the young wrestler with the most, that I think has the most potential in Tokyo Joshi, which is um, Endo, mm-hmm. versus the young wrestler I think has the least potential, which is Mocha. Okay. In terms of being sort of on the same, like young wrestlers who are on the same level like to me it's um it's sort of hard to assess mocha and i feel like i'm falling back into the mihiro kiryu uh realm where i'm like i think she does some things very well but i also think she does many things not that well i think and I'll go into this later in the show, actually, once we get to a different Tokyo Joshi show. I think Mocha continues to improve and to me has shown that she is very teachable. And I think that just will lead to her getting better and better as time goes. And I think there is room for more potential to grow almost. It's not like she has a set amount of potential. It keeps growing. I I am I'm very high on Mocha right now. I think she's going to end up being very good, but I don't think she's there yet, obviously. But she's getting close. I think mainly I mean, we're not going to stick on the gear again, but 
the fact that like Mocha comes out and I'm like, who is this person? And now she's in, or she was in, um, you know, this tag team that was like karate tag team. And yet she comes out sort of dressed like, like Juria comes out, like, I'm going to come out and fight you. And Mocha comes out dressed like I'm a person who's here. Um, I think also throws me off because she does some things. She does that judo um, throw thing. I don't know what the official name of the move is. Where's Taz? Um, yeah, seriously. That like looks really good. She sometimes does like the strikes that look good. But then sometimes I just see it and I'm like, this is just sort of a confusing... Like, the presentation of it feels confusing where they're like, she does know karate, but we don't want her to be a karate person because we Mm -hmm. have that already. But I'm like, if you're putting them together because they both know karate, they should both be presented in similar ways, I would think. It feels like they're getting there because she has been integrating more and more of it into her offense as she goes. Um... So that was what I was thinking most of the most of the match. And I just think Endo is really good. Oh, she's great. Um, and I'm like, wow, this is a person. It's one of those. She's one of those people where it's like, if you had to, for whatever reason, lose five members of the like your five top members of the Tokyo Joshi roster, like right now, for whatever reason, this is just a made up situation. Like, I think Endo at this point, it wouldn't be perfect, but I think she could slot into a top spot now. Okay. Okay. I met with deafening deafening silence from Kelly. I I don't know if she's ready for that, but you know what? I would give her the shot. I'm not saying you should do it right now. I'm just saying in an emergency situation. yeah. Yeah. Like, I would definitely push her before Mahiro Kiryu. (laughs) In, in the hypothetical situation where it's like, we either have to push this wrestler or who else are we going to push? I would be like, okay, I'm not exactly like being like, oh my God, it's good. This is going to be a disaster. Okay. So, you know what? Let's, let's go with this. All right. So we're taking out the top five, which let's just say it's Yuka, Miyu, Maki Ito, and Shoko Nakajima. They're gone. They they've was that fucking, four or was that five? Was that know. five? I don't know. Yuka, Maki, Miyu, Shoko, and Mizuki. And Mizuki, there we go. And they get turned into dust like it's Infinity War or whatever. Who's the top five then? Who do we who do we who gets moved up? Well, I think it's Hyper Masao. Yes. Miyu Watanabe. Yes. Um, Rika. Rika Tatsumi. Yep. Oh, uh, and then I've got like a butt where I'm like, it's probably Yuki Arai. Just because. <sighs> yeah. I don't like, know. I don't think based on in ring, I just think based on the way that they've pushed her. I guess. Yeah. I might. I would. I would put Suzume in there. Like mine would be probably Yuki Suzume. And Yuki, Suzume, Hikari, Noah. Yeah. 
Yuki Kamafuku, and then Endo. Yeah. And I could see a debate where Endo moves past one or two of those people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like a thing where she would be close to the top. I mean, she's yeah. not that far away from the top right now. <laughs> they don't have a big roster. Um, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, she doesn't feel like, oh, if you had to, you know, like all of a sudden in stardom, if I was like, hey, by the way, next week, um, the main eventer is going to be Lady C. You're probably not going, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> no offense to her. Not that you're not going, oh, cool. But you're probably not going, ah, won't miss a beat there. <laughs> now, of course, it's a little bit different because they're more of a uh, in-ring promotion than Tokyo Joshi is. But it just feels much less like, oh, these people, like Lady C, uh, Hina, Rina, Saya who I really like and actually I think would be very good. Yeah, Saya would actually, um, I think, thrive in the top um, of the card. But like Miyu Amasaki, like are these people where if all of a sudden they were thrust in the main event, you would be like, ah, no problem. Business as usual. Main eventer Ruaka. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as I said, they're two different companies, but I just think Endo Endo is good enough where if she had to all of a sudden start main event, like if it was Rika against Endo, you know, Tatsumi against Endo, because oh, everyone else disappeared and now this is going to be for the title. I think they probably have a, a sol- at least a solid match. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was so, just thinking of imagine if there was a stardom show and the main event was Saya versus Ruaka. I think I'd just fucking kill myself. Are you talking Saya Kamatani or Saya Ida? Yes. No, oh. Kamatani. Oh, because I thought you were talking Ida, and I was like, no, oh, I like Saya Ida. Um, Kelly, now that you've said that, it's more likely that it will happen. Oh, it's going to happen, and I'm going to be very upset. Especially now, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, there are some rookies coming in. I'm assuming some of these people are going to start sort of inching up the card. Yeah. Ruaka. Um, probably not Saida. They seem like they don't like her that much. No, and I don't understand it because of anyone in like her, I guess, generation of stardom. She's one of the best. Um, but back to Tokyo Joshi. Um, there was another singles match where Yuki Arai defeated... Tom Harajuku in six minutes and 40 seconds. I got to give it to Palm. She tried. Wrestler of the year, Palm. (laughs) She tried. She was getting uh, Yuki to do some singing and dancing, some SKE songs. She went full idol pervert, and it was incredible. (laughs) Asked to get the, to receive the finally kick, uh, a rise finisher, and then tried to trick her with a roll up. Uh, which did not work. And she very briefly, very quickly after that, lost. Um, Palm Harajuku's first win in this company, people are going to go nuts. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. This this was like a, just a perfect mid-card match. It was so good. I, I went three and three quarters on it. Like, I loved it. <laughs> Um, I also really enjoyed it. I wasn't as high as you, but I very much enjoyed it. I thought Yuki looked good. 
Um, I really enjoyed her. She had a really good pump kick, um, a thing that I am used to seeing look very bad on a weekly television program um, from someone else who does a pump kick that never connects uh, with the top of their opponent. Yeah, Seamus. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but she hit that pump kick. I was like, that was square right where it should have been. Good pump kick. Uh, and a good victory for Yuki Arai. She heads towards her battle with Aja Kong at Grand Princess. This was one of those matches that really kind of makes me like have a philosophical debate about star ratings. Because it's like, ideally, this is perfect. This is this this was this was perfect. It, it did exactly what it needed to do. Everything was executed great. Why isn't this a five-star match? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's one of those where I'm like, well, they did exactly what they set out to do and did it incredibly well. Kelly, I'll tell you this. If you want to give it five stars, I will <laughs> not judge you in any way. All right. It shoots up to my number one on match of the year. Kelly's greatest match of all time <laughs> is Yuki is the six minute and 40 second Yuki Arai versus Palm Harajuku match. <laughs> Sometimes you just have matches where it's like, nope, that is perfect for what it exactly needed to be. I'm very happy for you. And I will say this, I liked it as well. <laughs> I feel like I'm acting like the uh, Debbie Downer here, but I thought it was great. Uh, I wanted Palm to win. I knew she wouldn't win, uh, but I wanted her to win because I'm looking forward. Uh, it's got to happen at some to point, that right? great day. I'm not just like I could be tricking myself. I could be doing another Tokyo Joshi booking trick on myself, um, but I hope I'm not. The what if Pom's first win is like they have a battle royal for like a title shot, and it's some, somehow she like wins that. And then no, she wins that the can't title. count. No, it has to be <laughs> no, no, like... no, because it because it wouldn't be like a real win. And then she wins the title that night, and that's her first win. So you want the battle royal <laughs> and then the immediate title shot? Yes. Were you watching Elimination Chamber last night? I was not. Okay. Oh no! I well, I saw the Roman Reigns Community Theater. Because I was like, that sounds like a WWE idea to me. Oh, it sure does. No, I just want her to, I mean, frankly, what should happen? I thought what was going to happen until they did the uh, Max Hart tournament was that Palm was going to win the tag titles at Grand Princess and beat the Wasteland War Party. On her own? Well, teaming with Aja Kong. <laughs> yeah. But also, I would be fine with Palm somehow winning on her own through like a series of Home Alone-style traps she sets for them. You never, you never know in Tokyo Joshi. Yeah. The next match was a tag team match with the debut, the Tokyo Joshi debut of Janai Kai Hikari Noah and Janai Kai defeating Rika Tatsumi and Yuki Aeno in 12 minutes and 30 seconds. You know, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna rag on Mocha, a little about the gear. I have got to get on Janai Kai about this gear. It's not great. It's, it's like just straps of fabric. Yeah. It's the whole thing is. It's very low rent. Yes. It it looks very much 
I wrestle on the low independence of the mm-hmm. United States. Yeah. When, um, which sucks, because I thought outside of that, she had a very good showing here. Yes, and I will say, to look ahead briefly, she had another match, which we're about to talk about in a little bit, where the gear looked a lot better. Yeah, and I don't... What did she even do that was different? I don't even know, really. It had, like, gold piping on it or something. Okay. Or, or its sleeves, or... It was something where I was like, this gear looks so much better, you should have just worn the same gear for both matches. I wonder if someone, like, took her to the side and was like, hey, you gotta fix this. No, because then she would have already had it. True, Like, yeah. it isn't like she could go to her closet and be like, okay, I'll go get my other gear. Like, she would have had to brought it there yeah um my biggest thing about this match was i sort of like this idea i do agree with you i thought janai kai looked pretty good um she didn't blow me away i've also seen her a number of times so there it wasn't like i was seeing a new wrestler um i thought she looked good but i'm sort of developing this it's not really an idea but the sort of thought of with Billy Starks coming over, doing stuff, uh, Trisha Dora, now Janai Kai, these are all people who have sort of gotten some run on the very bottom levels of AEW, like on the darks or dark elevation or jobbing sort of duties. And... You know, we talk about a lot like, oh, people should go to Tokyo Joshi to get better. Like, oh, why doesn't um, like um, Ty Mello go to Tokyo Joshi, which seems like it's not in the cards because it seems like those people are not interested in that or AEW isn't interested in that. But I like the idea of Tokyo Joshi being like the AEW American wrestler finishing school in a way where yeah, it's like, okay, it's like, yeah, you're not right now good enough to like wrestle on rampage or dynamite or something like that. But we have this connection with Tokyo Joshi. You should go over there and you will get better at wrestling. I mean, we saw it in that Billy Starks match mm-hmm. with Yuka that she, that was the best she had looked to me in the matches I've seen her. I thought Janai looked good. I thought Trisha Dora was good. Like, it's not a bad idea to sort of send people who are at sort of the top of the in, independence, but sort of not at the level of AEW yet, like the top of AEW. Like, I don't know. I think it's a fairly interesting idea. Yeah, no, it's a smart idea to send him there, for sure. Like, I think the idea that all of a sudden Jade Cargill is going to show up tomorrow in Tokyo Joshi is sort of far-fetched. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Because I think sometimes they're like, well, we need them for RTV. Sometimes I'm sure people are like, I don't really want to fly to a foreign country for two weeks. Um, But I'm not really all that opposed to what's been happening, which is sort of these low-level people like Janai Kai, we'll talk about in a second, I think had another good match on this tour. These people are all looking solid, and it isn't like they're bringing in some person from, you know, middle of nowhere USA that no one's ever heard of 
to be like, oh, here they are. They're having a match. These are legitimate, like, well-known people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a fairly solid compromise on what's going on. It helps Tokyo Joshi, and I think in the long run, probably will help AEW a little. Have I uh, have I told you my fantasy booking for how uh, you have Jade lose her title? No. Okay, here we go. All right. So Jade, it's who's gonna beat her? You know, they, it doesn't really seem like they have anyone planned to beat her, except you've got the king of television, Samoa Joe, and he's like, you know what? I need this other TV title. So you have Joe beat Jade. So then he's the full king of television. He's got all three TV titles. And then you're like, well, how do you get the belts off of Joe? Handicap match. Joe versus Best Bros. They win. They each get a title. But he'll have three titles at that point. They don't care about the Ring of Honor one. Okay. Wardlow can beat him for that. Um. Kelly, I believe that is true fantasy booking because I um, I think if you listed off a hundred ways that Jade <laughs> could lose her belt, I think that might be number 101. <laughs> well, you don't think Samoa Joe versus Jade Cargill on, on Rampage is going to happen? <laughs> I, think, I think there's a possibility that someone we talk about later in the show may dethrone. Yeah, no, I think you're right on that, but... I I I like my idea of Samoa Joe wanting to be the true king of television. Um, but this is not an AEW podcast. That's <laughs> the good, the bad, and the hungry. That's true. Also on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. But anyway, in this match, I also thought Yuki Aino looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That no, was... everyone. I thought everyone actually looked pretty good in this match. Like I thought everyone put their best foot forward here and really had a had a good solid match i went three and a half on it yeah i probably would have been around the same maybe slightly lower at this point i was sort of like oh this is a perfectly fine show sort of a show that felt when it was announced to me when they're like the main event is the tournament finals and there's really sort of nothing else on the card i was like yes this is sort of matching my expectations of a bunch of stuff would be fine and nothing would be out of this world. And then they turned it all around. And then <laughs> the semi-main event was the reunification, not reunification, but uh, the reuniting of the upcoming Grand Princess combatants. Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki, the magical sugar rabbits, who defeated the team of Miyu Watanabe and Suzume in 12 minutes and 58 seconds. I thought that this was really great. I went three and three quarters. Uh, I wrote in my notes, what the hell, three and three quarters. <laughs> Buddy, um, I went four on it. <laughs> it was just four really good wrestlers wrestling very well. Yeah. A um, little bit of heel Yuka, which is always uh, fun. The fun sort of smiley heel uh, Yuka Sakazaki. And I just thought it was great. Really, really surprised me because this is the exact type of match that's usually on these shows where I'm like, wow, it's four really good wrestlers. And then they wrestle and I'm like, oh, it was fine. It was like three and a quarter. Um, 
but I thought this was great. Yeah, no, this was awesome. Uh, Magical Sugar Rabbits really came out like they had just each chugged like 10 coffees. They were real fired up, (laughs) like way more so than usual, I thought. And then just the match was awesome. And Mew looked so great, just tossing them around and just trucking them with shoulder tackles. And like Suzume once again showed that she is an incredible tag wrestler by one having great chemistry with Miu. Like she has great tag chemistry with pretty much any partner you stick her with. Like Suzume is such a good tag wrestler. Like I I loved this. I like I said I went four stars. Very very good. Uh, awesome semi main. Yeah, Suzume. I think surprisingly for me, I think if I were to put together a list of my 10 favorite Joshi wrestlers, and I would have to think about this. I haven't thought about it. I think Suzume might be in the top 10 for me. I can see it. Yeah. I just think she's really really good. good. She's like tiny. She's like the smallest person you've ever seen, (laughs) but it doesn't really matter here. Like, I think if she went somewhere else where she was wrestling people who are like 5'8", it might be like, oh, she's very, very small. But I just think she's so good. Like, two years ago, if you were like, Suzume is going to become really good and she's going to be one of your favorite wrestlers, I would have been like, what? (laughs) Her? Like, it was just such a thing where it was like, oh, yes, this is the sort of usual, like, Tokyo Joshi. Oh, she's, you know, does the B thing, Vivid Honey Mustard. You know, that's sort of the gimmick. It felt sort of like a Raku palm, sort of like, I'm a nice person and I'm going to be in all the opening matches you'll ever watch. And then all of a sudden she became really good. Yeah. Um, and sort of shocked me and I just really enjoy it. I fully thought maybe I'm WWE pilled because um, <laughs> I fully thought something was going to happen between Mizuki and Yuka. I did too, actually. I didn't, I didn't think necessarily it would like lead to the finish or it would be like, ah, they turned on each other or, you know, the usual thing, which is like two wrestlers who you're like, oh, are they going to get along? And then one accidentally hits the other one with some move. And it's like, oh, it was an accident, but one of them doesn't understand it was an accident. And the other will never go back and watch the tape. Yeah. Um, But there was nothing unless I missed something. There was nothing nothing. of any like, oh, we're about to face off in, you know, a month, Uh, which I ended up thinking was pretty cool. It's like, yeah, we are a good team. We're going to fight in a month and that will be fine. But for now, we're just going to wrestle really well. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. 
and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three in one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, 
I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Doors unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. So... Uh, yeah, great match. And the final match of the show was also the finals of the Princess Max Hart Tournament, the tag tournament, the team of 121 million, Maki Ito and Miyu Yamashita, defeating Hyper Masao and Shoko Nakajima in 25 minutes and 35 seconds. Kelly. What did you think of this main event match? Uh, I went four and three quarters. <laughs> I loved this match. Uh, they, their early goings, they quickly transitioned from the typical like Misao Nakajima wacky comedy to just being like a serious tournament finals, and that was great. Uh, the Miu and Misao had a section in the match that was really great with Misao kind of picking apart Miu's leg, and I thought that was all really well done. The match escalated really well. Uh, there was a good forearm exchange between Makiito and Nakajima where just the forearms were heavy as hell. That was great. I I loved this match. Like I said, I went four and three quarters. I was blown away by this. I was slightly, only slightly below you. I went four and a half. I thought this was so good. One of my favorite sort of tropes in wrestling is comedic wrestler who all of a sudden in some match starts wrestling absolutely seriously. Mm-hmm. The bit when Misao's mask fell off and she's like, fuck that, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, I thought she was gonna wrestle I thought she was gonna wrestle the entire rest of the match without the mat without the mask. Of course. Then she went and put it back on and I was like, Oh, okay. But it was like she doesn't care about the mask. It it also is very shocking. You know, hyper Masao looks very much like Masao. Um we believe. Yeah, you know, it they must be like sisters with same like the same last name, you know. So we sort of know that they look the same. Um but it was still very shocking to like see her without the mask on. It was like, "Oh my god." Like the gear looked different. I was like, "This looks like a different person." Yeah. Has come in. I guess I never realized how much the mask really makes her look so different it really does it's very bizarre to me because i was like whoa this is weird um but i just thought it was like a legitimately awesome match like great tags work um a lot of the things i like the forum exchange things like that you already covered but i just thought it was so good it was like yeah this is a great this is a great match 
um, you know, ended the way I thought it would with uh, one to one million winning. Um, but there was some good near falls, things like that. So it was just a great end to the show. And one of those things where I think if this match would have been like, oh, it was three and a half. You sort of end the show thinking, OK, that was a fine show. Mm-hmm. Like it was fine. This is a great show to me now. I'm like, yeah, no, like me? this. It went from a show where it's like, oh, it was solid to like, you, you should watch it. You should definitely watch this show. <laughs> I mean, and it's one of those things. I said 2023 is a year of like, we're judging Tokyo Joshi on like, this is now an in-ring promotion. I'm judging on, is the in-ring good? The top two matches of the show are good. Very, very good. Like legitimately good. And I know that there's probably a barrier to entry for some people who don't watch Tokyo Joshi because all they see is like the big Maki Ito like AEW run, which is very much sort of like, what are the basic beats of Mm -hmm. Maki Ito? Which is like, ah, sometimes in the ring she cries. Sometimes she, you know. But that feels very much sort of like we're just going to boil the character down to two or three things for now because that's all the stuff we have time for. She's playing the hits to yes. get over right away. Um, yeah, which and it is, works. It yeah, works 100%. Not a bad thing, but I think sometimes people see that and are like, ah, Tokyo Joshi, it's just all these sort of wacky characters and then they go in the ring and the matches are, you know, below average, which is probably true of two or three years ago in Tokyo Joshi with the exception of a couple people. But now it's like, this is good. This mm-hmm. stuff is very good. Um, and, you know, people often say, oh, well, you know, some people judge women's wrestling on a curve and, you know, you do it because you give them extra stuff because it's women. This is legitimately good wrestling. Yeah. Um, and if you're listening to this and you don't watch Tokyo Joshi, and maybe you skip past this to get to uh, the time we talk about stardom, you should be watching Tokyo Joshi. Yeah. At the very least, watch the top two on this show. So that was the Tokyo Joshi Max Hart Finals at Korokin Hall. Now we are going to talk about everything else that happened in the last two weeks of Joshi, starting with stardom they had a cork and hall show on february 17th just like tokyo joshi introducing three brand new rookies who will all be debuting on the march 25th new blood show that would be manami komomo hanako ueda and sakura ishiguro ishiguro challenging julia to a singles match. So that will be her first singles match at that new blood show. That Corican Hall show also had the um, last full triangle derby show. I guess I'll call it four teams advancing to the final seven up the team of Nanai Takahashi, you and Yuna Mizumori, the cosmic angels team of Tom Nakano, Natsupoi and Saki the Abarenbo GE team of Siri Mirai and Ami Sore, and the prominence trio of Suzu Suzuki, Risa Sara, and Kurumi Haragi, 
all advancing to that final tournament, which we'll talk about shortly. And Maya Yukihi accepted the challenge that was thrown out by Julia for her Wonder of Stardom title. So that match will be coming up. The other big, I guess, stardom adjacent news is that last night on Battle in the Valley, Mercedes Monet defeating Kyrie to become the second and new IWGP Women's Champion. Kelly, I watched the match. I know you watched the match. What did you think of the match? I thought it was very good. Um, I do think it ran a little longer than I would have liked, and I could have done without the ref bump. But other than that, I thought it was very good. Um, I think I, yeah, I went four and a quarter on it. Really good action. The um, the kick to block the insane elbow looked awesome. And if it comes out that Kyrie's like, yep, I actually blew out my shoulder, I would not be surprised. Because <laughs> that looked brutal. But yeah, overall, really good match. Uh, what do you think of it? Um, I was exactly the same as you. I went four and a quarter. I didn't mind. I mean, in the moment, the moment it happened, I was annoyed by the ref bump just because I was like, ugh, a ref bump. But really the only reason for it was so they could go to the outside and do that powerbomb through the table, which I thought looked really good. And then they sort of came back in and the ref was fine. So I was sort of like, okay, they just sort of did it to cover for the fact that they're going to go out and do some wacky shit, which I'm fine with. Um, But I don't think you needed the ref bump for that, though. Like, it's just how New Japan operates. You know, they give more leeway on matches like this if something happens on the outside. So I don't I think they could have done that without the ref bump. Yeah, I just wasn't so mad because when the ref bump first happened, I was like, oh, God, is someone going to like run in and like do all this stupid shit now? I did. Did you see that? Um. In the Bailey was in the crowd, and apparently when that happened, she kind of got up like she was going to do a run-in. Yes, I did. Uh, That's good. <laughs> I did read that. That is good. Um, it felt to me, the whole match sort of felt to me like someone figuring out how to wrestle the style, but like the stardom, sort of stardom slash New Japan style to me. Because um, it sort of started, and I was like, okay, this is fine. Like, this is fine to me um i'm not going crazy over it and then all of a sudden it was just like okay and now we're gonna just bump like mad yeah it's it finally it clicked for her yeah where it was like ah i know how to do this and there was a lot of talk um among some people who were watching the show about like sort of part of mercedes's like mo is that it doesn't always look super clean um the wrestling and i thought a lot of this didn't look super clean but i thought in a way that sort of aided the match and didn't pull me out of it where it's very easy to be like oh this is very so sloppy like i can't get into this but this it felt like ah they're fighting it's very sloppy because they're trying to gain advantages and you know do x y and z thing within the fight itself so that sort of added to me and didn't take away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always thought Sasha's kind of 
for lack of a better term, sloppy tendencies, you tend to aid matches more than hurt them, especially like her matches with Charlotte Flair. They always just looked like a fight, and that's what made those actually really, really good. Yeah, and it's like a Sabu thing where it's like, oh, yes, this stuff will look bad because there's also an attempt to do something that is crazy. And it isn't like, ah, they're going for running of the ropes uh, and it looks sloppy. Like, it's not a basic thing that they're screwing up. They're like, why don't we go for this? And it's like, well, it didn't look 100% clean, but I would rather see not 100% clean on a... Like, for example, the double stomp. Mm-hmm. Then something like, oh, it didn't look clean on a, you know, clothesline where someone ran the ropes at the improper speed and people weren't together. Which is worse to me. Um, but the big question is, what is next? Um, at least for me, what is next for Kyrie? Um Will be... Yeah, it is a little disappointing that she loses the title after only one defense. Yeah, and it's, you know, I don't know what happens. I don't know if maybe she goes back to just being on the big stardom shows every once in a while, or if she does something else, or if it becomes, uh, I don't know, maybe she shows up in AEW, or I don't know. I have no idea. And also, who will, you know, it's sort of like, there are a lot of challengers in stardom, of course, but like, is there a natural next challenger for Mercedes? Like, I guess it could be Mayu. I guess. But yeah, there really isn't someone that's just like, oh yeah, obviously her. Like, there isn't someone who I'm like, oh yeah, that's the one you've got to do because I'm assuming you're not doing Julia. You're not doing Sayakamatani, Like, Utami probably would be up there. Yeah. But Utami is also one of the things like the belt is sort of being booked, not for Joshi fans in a way. So it's like, well, Utami would be good, but are non Joshi people like, ah, Utami, like Shuri, I guess would be one. Cause Shuri has some sort of cachet now with non Joshi fans, but I don't know. Is I don't know what someone they're from AEW potentially. Yeah, I just don't know where their head is in terms of who's going to challenge because I'm also assuming Mercedes is not losing it anytime soon. No. So you probably don't want to run a bunch of top people into a buzzsaw and possibly make them look bad. Even though I don't think that they would look bad, but yeah, I sort of have to figure out also what this new New Japan Strong idea is of just doing big shows. Mm-hmm. Like I thought last night, which I don't think they did. I didn't want. I haven't watched the main event yet, so maybe I'm wrong. They didn't announce any. Like I would have thought they would have in the middle of the show been like, "Great, this is the big show, and the next big show is in April, and it's whatever." It's, you know, in Houston and it's called Attack in the Hills Rockets Away or something. Um, So we'll see. And again, they may have announced that either right before or after or um, probably not during the main event. 
Um, yeah, so they actually I'm... stopped the main event and had a drama king Matt be like, "Hold on, everybody, I need you to stop." And then Tanahashi and Okada just sat in the ring and listened to him while he announced the next show. It's two separate thirty-minute time limits, but the only thing that happens after the first thirty minutes is we have to make an announcement. Yeah. <laughs> After 30 minutes, you can get a five-minute break as we make an announcement of our next show. <laughs> and then we're back on. Uh, two very long rounds. Um, but that is the Stardom News. Seedling had a show on February 16th. Arisa Nakajima defeating Riko Kawahata to retain the Beyond the Sea title. I did watch that. Um, thought the match was fine. Didn't... Um, Go crazy like I probably would be three and a half. I thought it was a solid match. Good, not great would be my uh, review. Oz had multiple shows in the last few weeks. Mayumi Ozaki winning the Empress of R tournament, beating Akino in the finals. And also they have been running an under 30 number one contender tournament for the Oz Openweight title. They are now going to be uh, they ran the first two rounds, got down to Itsuki Aoki going up against Riko Kaiju, so that will be on an upcoming show. Tokyo Joshi also just had another fairly big show on February 18th. Two big matches on that one. The first, Miyu Watanabe defending her title against Janai Kai. I watched this match, Kelly. You watched this match as well? Yes, I did. Okay, that's... Uh, what'd you think of it? I thought it was really good. Uh, I thought they made Kai look like an absolute killer here. Like, she beat the shit out of Miyu, and Miyu looked awesome for just surviving all of that offense. Uh, I wish the match had been a little longer and that there was more of a closing stretch to it, but I do think the it was interesting to kind of have it where Miu just waited for Kai to slip up. And then once she had that opening, then she kind of just put her away right away. So I, 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 it was an interesting end of the match. I Had it gone on a bit longer and have more of a closing stretch, I probably would have gone four. But as it was, I ended up at three and three quarters. Yeah, I liked it a lot as well. I thought they both looked good. I have really enjoyed the unique ways that Miu has started getting people into the giant swing mm-hmm. um, so that is it isn't necessarily like, oh, they're laying on the ground and I just pick them up and start spinning. Like she's now started catching them a lot and then just spinning and the person flies out, um, which I think is really cool. I would probably be around you maybe three and a half, three and three quarters. Um, I thought it was a very good showing for Janai, who, as I said, looked better in ring but also visually than she did at Korokan. After the match Rika Tatsumi stepped up to challenge Miyu Watanabe. That match will be happening at Grand Princess so another big title match for that show. That was actually the semi-main of the show. In the main event Yuki Arai and Miyu Yamashita beating the team the unlikely duo of Mocha Miyamoto and Aja Kong. This was another match I enjoyed setting up the big Yuki Arai Aja Kong singles match for Grand Princess, but I uh, really enjoyed it. Like seeing Kong, I thought she looked good. I thought Yuki 
looked good. And Yuki pinning Mocha at the end of the match and then saying that she unfortunately did not defeat Aja. So that will need to wait for Grand Princess. But Kelly, what did you think of this match? I like this match a lot. Another uh, three and three quarters from me. Uh, the I thought for sure the highlight was the uh, interactions between Miyu and Kong. Those are really good. I I liked uh, Kong just branding Miyu with her with her little bin. That was cool. Uh, but I got I got a hot take coming out of this match. Oh boy! I think in ring, Mocha is better than Yuki Arai. Interesting. Yeah, I. It is a hot take. It is. I I think Mocha is getting better and better. And I think she's just a little bit smoother at things than Yuki Arai is. I don't think... I think Yuki looks better than she is more often because she's typically in the ring with more experienced wrestlers than Mocha gets that chance to. She definitely gets higher priority in just matchmaking and stuff. But overall, I think that Mocha is the better in ring between the two. Interesting. I I would have to like think about it because I think Yuki does a lot of stuff very well. I do too, but I honestly, her tag title run didn't sour me on her, but I definitely think a little less of her as an in-ring wrestler because I don't think that tag title run really was great at all. <laughs> it was kind of just okay at best. And I I don't know I I just think the uh, the tag tournament run that uh, Mocha and um, Juria went on was really great and I th- I think Mocha's just been on a hot streak lately. I do think that the um, Arise tag title reign was slightly held back by the fact that they had two or three matches against opponents that I was like this is not a great. Yeah, that's opponent, also like, very true. Like Wasteland War Party, which is a solid opponent, they had a good match. So I'm like, oh, they probably would have had better matches had they not been wrestling like British teams that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> um, so part of me is like, ah, it wasn't very good. I do agree the rain wasn't very good, but it was sort of not really their fault. No. Um, I'll have to... I'll have to think on that. I'll have to keep watching Tokyo Joshi and see if I agree or disagree with you. Yeah, because it really it comes down to I think just Yuki gets put with better wrestlers for the most part. It's one of and those that, things where I just haven't thought of the two of them like who's better. So now because you I'm never see of, you yeah. never see them on the same level, even though they are in terms of like experience, really. So now I'm sort of like trying to calculate in my head and i'm like i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe you're right but maybe you're wrong i might i, I, I might be we'll see let us know oh. uh, get in the discord yell at me about this also they uh tokyo joshi announced the main event for their big la show it will be the magical sugar rabbits facing off against the team of one to one million a big match for that show and possible that one, two, one million could be holding the tag titles for that match. Just something to think about. 
but also the Wasteland War Party will also be on the LA show. So someone holding the tag titles will be on the show in LA. It was also, I think, officially announced the show will be on fight for their usual $20 um, pay-per-view price because it's not part of the collective. I think the stuff at the collective is going on fight plus, which is, Hell that, yeah. um, you know, nine ninety nine a month or whatever the cost is. Um, but this will not be that. So it will be $20, but that a big match announced, which should be very good. Yeah. That's for, a cool match to main event that show. Yeah. For the main event of that. show. Oh, and then uh, Miu is going on an excursion. Oh, that's exactly right. She will be staying after the LA show in America. Uh, for I believe until June, I believe officially until June 25th will be her first show back, which is her homecoming show in Tokyo Joshi. But she did say if she wins a title, like if they were to win the tag title, she would come back as needed to Japan to defend them, I think is what they've said. So still possible, you know, you might think, oh, if she's going on an excursion, they're not going to put the tag titles on her. But Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I don't think they're winning the tag titles there, but we'll get into that more next episode. Uh, so going back to what we were talking about earlier, do you think Miyu is the person to beat Jade? Oh, no. No, oh, that no? was not the... No, it was not... That's not the person I was thinking really? about. Really? No. Okay. No, you know the person I was thinking about. Satin of Singh? No. <laughs> I wish I could play right now a cash register sound like. Oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. I mean, who else would could possibly make sense? That's true. Because to me, here's what I think, and this is getting a little. (laughs) Why are we talking about this? This Is AEW, but AEW has the sort of um, True Bloods versus WWE rejects storyline going. Which you think they would put Mercedes in, but if they put her in, she would have to be on the heel side. Yeah, and I don't think you'd do that. Which I'm not sure they would want to do when they're introducing like one of the biggest women stars to their promotion who everyone's going to want to cheer. Yeah, no one would boo her. <laughs> Whereas, the thing that doesn't make any sense to me is that I feel like they should have waited with Jade and been like, she's 49-0. and 0. Who's number 50? And then it's Mercedes and Mercedes wins. Yeah, I would have been fine with that. Like now she's like 54 and 0 or 53 and 0. And it's sort of like, oh, okay, she's 53 and 0. And she's beating like the same three people in rotation. The good old vertical vixen. She beat Jade Cargill. I think she's beaten Jade Cargill like three times. She's beaten Kiara Hogan twice or something. Um, but it's like, if it's not Mercedes, who else is coming in there and winning? Is that what Vert Vixen stands for? Is she vertical? Like, is she, she's not even that tall. I have no idea. She got a attack partner named Hori Vixen. <laughs> does she that have sounds a... bad. I shouldn't does say she... that. Yeah. Horizontal she... Vixen. I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't I'm, cancel I'm me you. over that. Kelly, you know that usually I'm made very uncomfortable by many things you said, but I understood you. <laughs> I understood you in that moment, um, and I was not canceling you. Good. Okay, cool. Um, 
I'm now looking at Vert Vixen's Twitter. Cause I don't. Um, she never doesn't seem tall. Like she just seems ba- like I don't. Cause what else could Vert stand for? Uh, <laughs> it's got to be vertical. Vert. Uh... <laughs> Wait a minute. Words. That's... Words that start with Vert. Start with vert. <laughs> Vert and Ernie. Uh, words that start with vert. Vertebra, vertebrae vixen. Okay. Vertigo, vertigo vixen. Oh, vertigo vixen. She's always fallen down. Or she makes her opponents feel vertigo. Yeah. If she uses like the vertebraker, that would make sense. I like that one of the options here is four letter words that start with vert. Well, I can <laughs> guess that. It's probably vert. Yeah. Um, six letter words that start with vert yeah I think that's really the only vertebra vertigos vertices um, vert vixen if you're listening to the show let us know what your name means yeah really we're all confused um, verticalness which I guess is the uh, ver, vertigu, ver, I can't even read this. <laughs> Vertigin, vertiginous. Okay, which, what's that? Which is, uh, an adjective turning about an axis, revolving or whirling. Okay. Which is related to being affected by vertigo. If you have vertigo, I think you are feeling vertiginous. Maybe she started off with like a spinning gimmick. And she just uh, spun around all the time. Maybe. I will say she tweeted a lot of tweets about Mercedes winning the IWGP women's title. Oh. And has also tweeted about something we didn't talk about. It doesn't really affect um, Joshi, but uh, Penelope Ford winning the DDT Ironman Heavy Metal Championship from Saki Akai. Oh, that's fun. Um, in the last few days. Bring that to um, D- bring that to AEW. Why not have some wacky hijinks with that? I'm sort of shocked that Penelope Ford is in Japan and they didn't put her on the show. That's y- yeah, that's very strange. Just came as a valet. Yeah, that is surprising. Um, but in conclusion, Vert Vixen, if you're listening, please let us know what Vert stands for. Yeah. Um, but maybe it could just be like a like a. Th- th- <laughs> Maybe it's an acronym. Well, I don't want to say this, but like a thing that kids would say, like vert. Like oh, okay. Like cool. Oh, like when I saw um, I saw Ant Man last night, and someone threw someone else, and I just heard a child yell out "Yeet." Yeah, maybe like "Yeet." Yeah, vert. That could be okay. Kids, Uh, if you're listening, tell us what vert means. (laughs) I know "Yeet." Um. Anyway, what's been happening in Joshi? Uh, two <laughs> tag title matches in Sendai Girls, Team 200 Kilogram, Chihiro Hashimoto, and Yu retaining the tag titles over Ryu Mizunami and Manami. And in Wave, the Galaxy Punch duo again retain their tag titles against the wonderful, uh, beloved team in Joshi of Kikitaro Joshi Legends and Kushinbo Kamen. I thought they were the same person for the longest time. 
No, because the one guy, it looks like a clown. That's common. I think I got confused because Kikitaro used to be Ebison, and I just confused that as though they were two people, but then just in my head was like, well, these guys are the same guy. Okay. No, they're not. And also they've been around for forever. Oh, yeah. Um, Anyway, that's everything that's happened in the last two weeks of Joshi. What's coming up in Joshi? Well, Stardom has a another volume, the fourth volume of Stardom in Showcase. The card is as follows: uh, a muscle match between Saya Ida and Chen Yoda. Hell yeah! Which will be a fun match. The traditional Stardom in Showcase Falls Count Anywhere match. This time between Azumi. Momoko Hanazono, Natsu Samire, and Hanan. So we will see what kind of silliness they get into. A super strong stardom versus Shingami match, which will see super strong stardom machine teaming with super strong stardom giant machine and X to face the Shingamis A, B, and C. That's going to be the stupidest fucking thing ever, and I'm very excited to see it. There will be a Captain's Fall match between Tom Nakano, Natsupoi, and Saki, who will take on the team of Waki Sukiyama, Mina Shirakawa, and Mariah May. Tam Nakano and Waka Sukiyama are going to be the captains. Who do you think's going to lose? In that one. I. You know what I think? <laughs> What I think, do you think Tom Nakano is going to lose. What? Because this is it. This is the whole story. That they're like, you're a geek, and you keep losing, and they've made her the captain. And I she's got to win gonna now, right? she's going to keep losing. <laughs> okay. I mean, you might But also, right. is this going to be the horny match on the show? No, I think they've done away with that. They didn't have one on three. Oh, they didn't? I don't think so. Because they did the... They did the um, what was that cosmic rules match two shows in a row that was yeah. one and two and then i don't think there was one on three i'm looking back at it now i can't because i can't i honestly don't remember that show at all go look it up i'll give you a bunch of time as i read the next match which will be the trios of mayu iwatani hazuki and koguma facing off against utami Sayakamatani, and miyu amasaki against the trio of Natsuka Tora, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe in the briefly titled Stardom 12th Anniversary Stars vs. Queen's Quest vs. Oedo Tai Lifetime Limited Premium Kobe Beef Scramble 3-Way Elimination Match. Fantastic. Say that all five times fast. <laughs> um, it will be an elimination match until one person is standing, so if one team eliminates everyone else they will face off against each other and the winning the winner i believe will get some premium kobe beef for a limited lifetime for a limited life well in a way everyone's lifetime is limited true oh and i looked it up there was in fact no horny match you were right okay good i did remember um and finally in a hardcore match it will be julia micah and the soon-to-be retiring himika 
something we haven't even talked about yet. Himika retiring oh, yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere. I'm sorry, Himika, if me saying that you were not getting pushed anymore on the last episode led you to retire. Um, but she will be missed. But here, going out in a hardcore match with against Suzu Suzuki, Risa Sarah, and Kurumi Haragi, that should be very good because it's a yeah. hardcore match with prominence in it. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. That should be awesome. And Himika's probably going to go nuts in this match because she doesn't have much left to do. And then Stardom will have the Triangle Derby Finals on March 4th. On that show, Himika asking for a series of matches before she retires. One of them will be against Chihiro Hashimoto. That should be good. A one-on-one match that should be very good. Also a high-speed title match between Azumi and Starlight Kid. The last time they had a high-speed title match, I gave it four and three-quarter stars. So a lot to live up to. Bet this will be in the same range. And then two matches... Well, there will be three matches to determine the Triangle Derby winners. The first one will be seven up against Prominence. The second will be Cosmic Angels versus Aberenbo GE. The winner of those two matches will face off in the final match to determine the winner of the first annual Triangle Derby. What if Himika's not actually retiring, but she just wanted to get a bunch of cool matches? And she pulls, uh, I got a lot left in the tank and like suplexes Julia or something. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) She's going to do the CM Punk snake story. Yeah. She's going to win the title and walk out with it. There we go. I told that old man I was retiring to get booked in some matches on the top of the card for once. I was like, would Rossi do that? But no, Rossi's a lucha guy that's why she told him he, she he was he, she was that retired. is true it's that a is shoot. a very it's, it's a, a very shoot lucha thing to do it's would a be shoot to say you're retiring and then not retire um <laughs> what else is going on sendai girls has a show on february 24th big match there mika iwata and mio momono going up against each other and kelly i will throw it over to you to talk about what's coming up in Gatomu slash Choco Pro. Uh, they've got a big show coming up. Uh, Let's go Yokohama on the 23rd. That is headlined by Best Bros, uh, Mei Saruga and Balianaki taking on the team of Rina Yamashita and Drew Parker, uh, who actually just announced he's retiring from death matches. But that should be a very good match. Uh, and then also on that card is Chie Koshikawa taking on Tei Hanma in a singles match, which should also be very good. So I'm really looking forward to that show when it, whenever the hell it drops, because I don't think they're airing it live, so it should be on their YouTube a couple days later, I think. Yeah, I think that's that is correct. Yeah, but that should be a cool card. There's a there's a bunch of good matches on there, but those are the two that really stood out to me. That is everything coming up in Joshi in the next two weeks. Next episode, we will be talking about Stardom. We'll be going back to Stardom. And maybe some of these other, maybe we'll talk about that Yokohama show. But that is everything we have. So next, I throw it over to Kelly for his usual time that I give him to say whatever the heck he wants. 
Uh, yeah, so I saw Ant-Man yesterday, and it was cool. I saw people crapping on the movie, but I don't know. I think it's pretty fun. A lot of just weird sci-fi shit. And it's very much a Kang movie that Ant-Man also happens to be in, but I think Jonathan Majors is very good as Kang and holds that movie together. And a lot of the sci-fi stuff, the designs look they they were kind of just cribbed from old Mobius sci-fi comics, and that's always good. So yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that movie was good as hell and was a lot of fun. Finally, someone's sticking up for Marvel. I know, right? The, uh, the funny thing was, like, where I was watching, I'm like, I don't think this is the one to shit on. <laughs> like, this one's kind of cool, and it's just trying a bunch of weird shit. So, like, you know what? Let's go. But it also, I had a, like, it gave me kind of like a philosophical movie question, where it's, at what point do we stop considering these live action movies and rather as animated movies with live action sequences. Never. Because there's so much of that movie is just not real. Because <laughs> then we'd have to think about so many things. Yeah. Uh, but that is Kelly's movie recommendation of the week. And that are you going to us- see? Uh, you going to see Cocaine Bear? No, probably not. Yeah, me neither. I I I thought it was gonna be like a direct to streaming movie, and then it's getting a theater run. So I was like, I'll I'll wait until I can see that on Prime or something. I am in the midst of watching all the Oscar nominated films, so I will, um, for the time being, probably not be watching many other films if they weren't nominated for Oscars. Okay, I don't think I've seen any of the movies that are up for Oscars this year. You didn't see Avatar: The Way of Water? Sure didn't. Wow. Just I don't. I don't like. I don't like blue people. Wow. Well, let's get out of Avatars, here before you say anything even more offensive. Smurfs, get them out of here. Well, that is everything we have for this episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. Join us in two weeks as we will come back here and talk about Joshi all over again. So for Kelly, my name is Taylor. Saying. Farewell for now. Babu from Power Rangers is my favorite blue person. Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host for You've Got to Be Kidding Me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot.